Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We can change it's like my dreams out of reach. This pain and all this grief. You see God and you have to speak. You're on Pastor Phil. Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Yo, what's good? This is your boy, DJ Ruckus. I'm here with my brother, Jonathan, Pastor Jay, and uh, and our, our, our engineer, Colleen. Phil is out today, but it is a beautiful Sunday morning. We're here on Sirius Satellite Radio, ready for church on the block. Jay, go ahead and introduce yourself. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, good people? So glad to be here. Always glad to be with my boy, DJ Ruckus. And we introducing the Colleen Powell on the mic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I cannot fill Phil's shoes, but I will, I will do my best. <laughs> so our, our topic today, we want to talk about prosperity. Everybody knows, and it's been pop, it's been popping up on Facebook. Cleflo Dollar, yes. he has made statements, and I don't I don't have the exact. Maybe we can find the footage and, and and play it or something for you all. But he has made some statements throughout the years about tithing and and paying your tithes, and we know there's a whole list of other pastors that have been preaching this prosperity gospel. And he has just said, if you've purchased one of his, any book he's written, or you have any of the sermons he's talked about, uh, tithing, throw that stuff away. What's your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, yeah, man. It's interesting, right? Like, uh, as a pastor, man, like, I have to give him props first and foremost, right? Like, because it's not easy especially when you have as many people listening to your voices. Maybe he does um, mm-hmm. and how long he's been there. Cause he's been at the church for decades, man. Like to be able to admit like <laughs> that there's some things I said and I just learned some new information and I'm willing to say, Hey, I was wrong and I don't want to lead people astray. And so, you know, remove that man, mad props to that uh, pastor to pastor. I got to I got to give him love for that. Um, However, it is still a struggle because, man, like, if you know that there was, like, ill-gotten gain from your teaching, and, mm-hmm. yeah, you say everybody throw the books away, but, like, they ain't giving that money back, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's some issue. Like, re- you know, repentance also, in my opinion, includes repair. Um, and so if you're going to repent for an action, if there was ill-gotten gain from that action, then you got a Zacchaeus moment where you got to start going back and figuring out how you're going to repay and repair all the damage. So, yo, Creflo, I know you don't listen to the show, bro, but it's repentance is deeper than just saying I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Colleen, you got anything that to say about your experience of, of, of the prosperity gospel and tithing? <laughs> 
my only thing that ever comes to mind with prosperity gospel is Joel Osteen, right? Like that, that's yeah. the like image I have in my head. And I just have always kind of thought that guy looked suspicious. So I've never really gone down the path of, of all of it, but I will say the idea of tithing as a blessing. Like I remember conversations when I was a young adult in my early twenties, when I finally was making money and you'd hear the, like every January, there would be this sermon series on tithing. And the, the, the idea of this idea of like giving your 10% because that belongs to God, because it want, you want to show God that you are trustworthy and, and because you want God to bless you. And I remember people always would make the comment, like, do you give 10% of before or after taxes? And everybody being like, well, what do you want God to bless? Like, there's that whole thing that it did feel very transactional in a way that, you know, my husband and I don't give 10% strictly to church. I don't even know if we have really looked at it from a math's perspective, like a math perspective of exactly what our percentage is, but there is always this thing in the back of my mind of like, oh, are we doing this wrong? Like, would we be doing better financially if we had been more aligned with like a very strict, it is, it kind of sinks into you in a way that even if you don't subscribe to it, it sort of feels like this like lucky like fortune cookie kind of a thing of like, you just got to follow the right path. And, and it is funny how much I don't on the paper, I would say, I don't agree with that, but it does still kind of cross my mind or it's still sort of as set in. So it's interesting how that philosophy can, or theology can kind of get ingrained. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in a single parent household. My mom raised me in church and I can remember uh, when she transitioned out of our the church that I grew up in and she started going to this well-known pastor here who preaches, he's part of that prosperity uh, thing. And, you know, I, I, I would go with her sometimes and I was just like, okay, this is cool. But all I keep asking for is more money and telling me I'm going to be blessed. And uh, so me and her, we battled it out all the time. Um, I took one of my, I took my oldest brother one time to, actually one of Cleflo's services he had here in Chicago. He came here to Chicago and he had a service here. And I, I just wanted my brother to go to church. And so I took him and Cleflo's in there talking about how he, his kids bought him another uh, Mercedes. And I'm sitting there like, oh, okay. <laughs> and my brother looks over at me and he goes, I bet they finna pass the collection plate soon. You know, so the 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 impression that it left on him was not a good one. Then then there's another pastor that I that I I love. I love to to hear him preach, and but every time he would come to town, he got to talking about planes and and stuff like that. And so it, it kind of left me uncomfortable. But this guy comes to town. He's he's a pretty na- big name pastor, and I still love him. I love love when he he's funny and hilarious. Um, but he got to talking about how he bought a Corvette for Kenneth Copeland. And I was just like, what, what is going on here with the, the, these prosperity pastors? They, you're talking about buying another pastor or Corvette. Well, there's somebody in your church who probably don't have a car who comes here faithfully. And so for, it was like, from that point, I really just started having a sour taste in my mouth um, around the prosperity gospel and, and, and pastors who preached about it. And, you know, I struggled my own personal struggle was, what do I do? How do I pay tithes? Kind of like what you were saying, Colleen. Well, maybe if I would have paid tithes faithfully, 
I would have gotten blessed or I wouldn't be in the financial situation I'm in. And it's like, uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to pay for their jets. Well, so that's what, so that's interesting. Even as you were talking, I was thinking like, is there, is there a limit to what kind of wealth a pastor has? Like in this day and age of like celebrity pastors. And I don't know, have you ever seen the, there's a social media account called like preachers and sneakers, but it's like basically no. it, it's a, it's hilarious. It documents all of these Christian kind of celebrity preachers and it, and it basically lists like how much the clothing that they're wearing costs. Like these like That's designer. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's hilarious. And it's kind of calling out this like this culture. And but it does kind of make you think like I always struggle with like, is it okay for me to judge how anybody spends their money? But also right. I'm uncomfortable with a pastor, like in that amount of opulence. Like what I don't know. I don't know where there's like a tension in there for me of like why is it not okay? Or should I or is there a limit? Like is there a certain point where we've just like crossed the threshold? I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that. So let's ask Pastor Jay, because he's our <laughs> pastor. This is good. No, this is great. This is great combo, right? Like um First off, Preachers and Sneakers is like one of my favorite like, <laughs> Instagram handles because I'm a, I'm a sneaker dude. And so I always be worried like you're going to have me on there. But, um, but yo, I'm going like, to take yo, pictures on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I, this conversation is so interesting to me because I do believe, you know, I, I try not to judge like when it comes to prosperity because I do have a little bit of like a dilemma um where it's like especially for marginalized folks right like when you there's something about like being able to say like um oh now you got to be humble and like have a little and not not braggadocious not have nice cars or not do all these things you know when some of these guys have like written books and you know, they totally. got movies and like, they've done the work. It's not like they just stealing from their, you know, totally. nobody ever talks about how much money uh, uh, your boy is Saddleback who wrote Perfect Giving Life got, you know what I'm saying? It's cause he ain't talking about poor vets and all that. But I bet you when he went to his crib, it's probably like that, you know what I'm saying? But he <laughs> literally did not take a salary from the church no more because of how big his book got, you know what I'm saying? Right. But should he not do that? So I do have a little bit of a dilemma. I try not to judge when it comes to that. What I think I struggle is like what you was talking about, T, is when, when there's like this special honor given to people who give, but there's no like recognition in their life, like life change, right? Like people come to church, give faithfully, give to the building fund, get this, get to that. But then when they run into a hard time and they need the church, ain't no money. You know what I mean? Like, that's the stuff I struggle with. Um, or, like, I grew up, like you did, T, in church. And, and I grew up in, a, like, a traditional Baptist church. And literally, if you were a tither, they told you, tither, stand up. And then you held up your tithing envelope, and they prayed over the tithers. And then they marched down the aisle and put it in a special tithing box, Right. And then everybody else, it was just like, okay, it's offer time. Just put something in the plate, you know? But oh, wait, like, wait, wait. So there's a distinction between separate. tithing yes. and offering? Oh, what Tithers does that mean? were honored. Tithers were honored. So, like, these are people who made a commitment to give 10% of their income. And so they give a tithing envelope. 
and you brought your down, and then there's a tithing box in the front of the church, and they make big deal, like you get high honor, like you get to walk down the aisle and put your envelope in the tithing box so that everybody sees you a tither, you know what I mean? But if you just not a tither, you can't stand up. So now people looking at you like, oh, you're not a tither, that's too bad. You know, like, and like growing, now being a pastor, I'm like, yo, that's horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because you just don't even understand people's financial situation, like what's well, going and, on. And that's so unbiblical from the story of the woman with the like one coin when she, that was like all she had. And he like raised that up as like, this is so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's so terrible. Oh, I did not know that existed. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good old black church thing. Now, I don't know how it still happened now, but um, that's one of those things. And so, you know, at our church, you know, at Lawndale Christian Community Church, like we've made the decision that giving is a choice made by the member of the church. We don't ask visitors. We don't ask guests to give. Only if you made a commitment to be a member of our congregation, there's no offering time. There's a box in the back of the church. You can give on your way out or on your way in. It's not a thing. There's so many people who come to visit and like, man, when no offering, when they gonna pass the plate? And I'm like, we don't do that here. Um, you know, the goal here is if you feel like this place has blessed you, and been a good like sowing ground, then we want you to sow into it. But we want you to sow into whatever you think is a good sowing ground, right? There might be other churches or other ministries or organizations or families or individuals that you feel like you want to sow into. A hundred percent do it, you know? But that that idea is we we, you know, we just kind of have like a different idea of what prosperity looks like when we talk about it. And we'll get into that later though, but yeah, that, it's, it's interesting though. I love this conversation because it is one that's been going on for a while, a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I first started coming to Lawndale, that was one of the things that drew me to it. I was like, man, they're not even gonna ask me for an offering. They're not gonna pass nothing around. It's just a box in the back that, that sits by the ramp and you would walk past it and not even know it's there. And I was just like, okay, I rock with this. I don't, I don't feel pressure or, or, or any of that, you know? And so I like that concept that we've implemented at, at our church. And I think other churches should look at that model. I'll tell you what I had to do at Canaan because the church I was at before I was in Lawndale was a traditional Baptist church. We literally split from that church I'm talking about before they had the tithing boxes, right? And so I had to figure out how to have a different mentality around giving for a congregation, but still kind of fitting the paradigm that people were used to. And so what we do is we would have what was called the soul train giving line. And people would literally come down the aisle dancing and we to play music. It was just a reason to be joyful about giving. And what I would say to people is this is giving time, not giving money time. Right. Because everybody doesn't have the ability to give money right now, but everybody has the ability to give. And so everybody had to stand up. Everybody came down the aisle. We made like a soul train line as they came down the middle. And if you had money to give, you put it in when you came down. But if not, I said, give something, give a hug, give a handshake, give a high five, give somebody a word of encouragement, give something. Because the only way you're not giving is if you choose not to give. And God loves a cheerful giver. Right. And so we talked about it that way. And it made a lot of people just like it made that time so much easier for them. Right. People who were traditional still want to offer in time and a plate and all that, but the people who were like needed something different also felt like, oh, now this is what I'm talking about, right? Like, there's no pressure on me if I don't have the money to give. So, this idea. Yo. I love that. Yo, this is uh, Church on the Block with uh, Pastor Phil is out, but 
DJ Ruckus and Pastor Jay and Colleen. And we are talking about prosperity and tithing and, you know, what Cleflo has recanted. And uh, when we come back, we've got some more stuff that we're going to discuss. We'll be right back with Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 154. Come back with us. Welcome back to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. It's your boy, Pastor Jay. Unfortunately, Pastor Phil is not with us today, but that, don't worry. We got your boy, DJ Ruckus, right here with us. And Yo, what's good? Colleen Powell. Yeah, Colleen, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. We're still in this band question series. And today we're talking about tithing and what prosperity actually looks like and giving. And, and uh, it's been a good conversation so far. And we, we left off the first part just kind of talking about different models. Um, I'm a pastor at Lawndale Christian Community Church. And we were talking about like our models, just people give as God has led them to give. We don't ask. We don't uh, pass a plate. We have a box that sits in the back of our service. And if you feel led to give, then you give. Uh, we don't ask visitors to give. We don't ask people who are not a part of our congregation to give to us unless they feel led to do so. Uh, but today we want to talk a little bit more about like, okay, but we know that churches need and ministries need money, right? And we know that right. like, there's an expectation that they'll be active in their communities and active for the kingdom and doing things. How do you do that? If you don't have financial backing. So what we want to talk a little bit about is like, what does that look like? Like, okay, so if people give or don't give or whatever, what's the bottom line? Um, so anybody want to jump in and talk about that? And then I'll come back and talk a little bit more about like what's really like how we do it at Lawndale a little bit. But any other ideas around like, what do you think? Like if the church really does need money and, and ministries and other organizations need money, then is really this tithing thing a bad conversation or um, or should people be giving, you know, in what ways? Yeah, I don't, I don't think tithing is bad. I just think it, it, it caught, at some point, it caught a bad reputation. I actually think giving or giving from your heart, or if you want to call it tithing, that's fine. I think that part is important. Giving to the church, because if if you're at a church that's actually doing some things, you know, my Lawndale is my church, Lawndale uh, Christian Community Church. We've done a lot from setting up diff several different non-for-profits in our community to helping people to working to change the scope of what our community looks like. And it takes funding to do, to do that. I, I sat on staff there for, I think, four or five years. It took funding. I sat there. I worked with the youth. I also worked on all the technology uh, from audio to video. Didn't make a lot of money, but it took money to, to be able to pay a staff person to be there. It took a whole youth team to, to be there Monday through Thursday or Friday and, and Sunday. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at when I, what I, what I envision. I, I think it, it takes a giving heart to give to the church and it's important to give from your heart and you're not giving to man. You're giving to God, I believe. To, for man to use for his purposes for the kingdom in the community. 
But what happens, Terrence, if man is using God's money for a building that you think is ridiculous? Like, what do you do then? (laughs) (laughs) I get that question too. Um, I've had people ask me that. What I, what I tell people is I try not to focus on what man's man's doing wrong. If you're, if you're looking at always what man is going to do, man's going to always mess up. Man's going to always make a bad choice. So when I give, I'm giving from my heart and I'm saying to God, Hey God, I'm giving this to you for the purposes of whatever you need it to be done for that you will be done with it. And I, that's just me. I let it be. And if man messes it up, man messes it up and he'll, he'll account for that later. Hmm. I like that. I've worked at or volunteered with, I feel like every different kind of church, mega churches, churches that met in schools that were constantly unpacking and repacking, um, small, I've met it. I've, I was a youth pastor at a really small church that was like incredibly well, the people that went there were incredibly generous. And so it was very well-funded and it is always interesting in terms of like what you can do when you don't have to worry about the money and what what happens when you are exhausted because you have spent your entire day putting up folding chairs and like the amount of work it takes to do things cheaply. Um, so it is like, I, I, it's a, it's such an interesting thing of like, I always, like we talked about with the preachers and sneakers, there's always this line where it starts to feel gross. Like it's like, there's this sweet spot of like having just enough is great. And then, Mm -hmm. because I think we're human we get greedy. And so then it, and then it starts to feel gross and you're like, Oh, this money that you have spent on this millions and millions and millions of dollars could have fed so many people. And did we really need it to be this amazing or could we have had good enough? And I I think we're as, as individuals, we're not great at figuring out what that good enough line is Mm -hmm. sometimes. Okay. I agree. Like, I feel like the, yeah, I don't, I don't know how we really work ourselves or work through this notion of like what good enough is, mm. what that really means, because it's different for everybody, right? Um, when I go visit a church that's like into iconography and has like gold encrusted like, you know, murals all on the walls and like, because that's a part of their like theology and the way they worship God and all that. I'm thinking to myself like, man, there's so much more like ways we could have used this. But to that group of worshiping believers, that's like important. Like they can't even worship God without it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like, it's hard to really know what is good enough, you know? Um, and who gets to judge that? And so that's always my heart, like the hard part. But I will say, when you give or when people give, there is an expectation that when 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 someone's in need, or if even the person who's giving finds himself in need, like when we look at the early church in Acts, what what they were doing was they were gathering funds to be able to take care of one another. They weren't gathering funds just to have a, a bunch of money. It was so that if anyone was in need, their needs could be met. And when that's not the basis of any ministry or church's responsibility with funding, then I do think that we've stepped outside of like the main reason for why money is even taken up in churches. It's supposed to be to take care of all of the people that are part of that congregation and the body of Christ as a whole. So 
that's always my number one thing is how is the church? I believe budgets are very theological and moral documents. Where you spend your money literally tells me what you value as a church, you know, or as a church leader or as a ministry. And if all your money going to buildings, you value buildings. If all your money goes into a pastor's, then you value the pastor. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't go into like the poor or it doesn't go into like ministries with people in need, then stop saying you value that because it's not true. Like mm-hmm. your budget, your budget is telling the truth of what you really value. So yeah, money's important. It yeah. is. It is. And so, I think your giving shows you what you value too, right? You know, like if yeah. we're giving with a generous heart and not because we think we're going to get more in return because <laughs> we're going to be blessed in return that that shows you what you value too yeah now do you think that churches should give some type of like at our church we have a whole breakdown of where money goes and we talk about that with with our members do you think that is something churches should do did you do that at canaan um what are your thoughts on it yeah, 100%. Like, you have to be held accountable for how you're using funds that people give. Because the truth of the matter is, if people are giving out of the abundance of their heart, especially, let me just say this, when your church is in a marginalized or a struggling community where, you know, a lot of people ain't making that much money and they, you know, they they they, they trusting in the Lord and they just making a check to check and you asking them to give, like you, you've got to be accountable for how those funds are, are given. And I'll tell you, I used to say, I never ever used tithing as a paradigm in Canaan. What I would say at Canaan was, I want you to give consistently. And that was really easy for people who live check to check to understand. Because the question is, if you work a job, you have an expectation of how much you're gonna make at the end of your week or two weeks, and you budget based off of what your paycheck is gonna be like, right? Mm-hmm. The church, can do the same. If you can only get $20, then tell us every two weeks you're going to get $20 for me. And I know how to budget. We got to cut some stuff off. There's some things we can't do. But if you give 21 week and 200 the next week and five the next week and nothing to work, how can we budget that way, right? And then you can't be mad. You can't hold us accountable because we don't know. So consistent giving became the word and it rocked the king. And they was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Right. I'm like, what is the church getting paid? What's our paycheck? That's what yeah. we need to know so we can budget properly and we can still, you know, do ministry out of that budget. Like there's always space to do ministry, take care of people, do things you need to do, no matter how big or small your budget is. You just got to learn how to cut, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, so cause I agree that the, the transparency piece is really important in our church. That church that I belong to has an annual you know, report and all, we know all the things where all of it goes, but I'm curious, like, I always wonder with these kind of prosperity gospel type churches, the Joel Osteen's of the world, do they not like give that information? Do people not care? Cause you like, that has to be like, when you actually would see that on paper, don't you think people would be like, wait a minute? Like, do you think it's just not given or do you think people just don't look into it? No, they're mandated. You cannot have uh, a federally mandated like or approved 501c3 or church unless you you're giving and your statements are public like that's part of being a not-for-profit so they have to but you can always make like you can make people believe that what you're doing as well by your teaching Mm -hmm. so you can say to them like 
the reason why we need to have uh, however many square foot building is because this shows the world that God don't like, God don't do no junk, right? And then the people in the congregation are like, that's right. So now they're more excited about having this huge building than they are about the budget being used maybe to take care of like more, even individuals in the church, right? Like you can, you can teach folks to believe anything if, the, if you already got their ear. And that's what I think happens with prosperity gospel is they make it seem like um, bigger, better, grander, you know, no, pro, no, you know, no poverty, no sickness, all those things. And if in any moment you can show that, even through like a budget, like look at our budget, right? Like God has blessed us so much we could buy our pastor a jet. Mm-hmm. Like that, that to them is like, see, we prosper. And even if I'm going home, and, sleep, and like, I still got roaches and I'm struggling. We're prospering because we could buy our pastor a jet. And so we just got to learn, you know, how to help people recognize what true prosperity is. And right. I think that will, that will be the number one way that we can help kind of free people from that. But yeah, they see it. They, they, they see them documents. You got to, you got to hand it out to anybody who's giving. They get a giving statement at the end of every year telling how much they gave, right? And pastors use that against people. Man. How much money did you get this year? I remember people literally getting a giving statement and having a meeting with their pastor and saying, this this, this is not enough. Like, you got to do better than this. Like, that type of thing happens in churches. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so heartbreaking for those people. (laughs) I mean, oh, man. Yeah. It's also you see the prosperity gospel. Like, you see so many people who do not have any money flocking to those churches. Like, it, it just feels like predatory almost in a way. I mean, that's the word I'd use. They, I, I, I'm trying, I try not to be judging. So I always try not to say they, every prosperity preacher is not the same. There are some people who believe in prosperity and also teach like work ethic and like, we want you to prosper having businesses and doing things of that nature. And then there's others who say, reach up and grab it. It's falling down from heaven. God is pouring it out on you, right? Mm-hmm. So people who struggle, if you can say, that the blessing of God is tangibly me having more money, then I have a tangible way of knowing that God loves me. And I think for some people that's mm. important for them, like, because the rest of their life, it doesn't feel that way. Like people ignore them. People don't, you know, don't show them the love that they deserve and all these things. And so if I can have a tangible marker of God's love, not just that the Bible says so, or not just that, oh, God's just this loving God, not just you know it, but I got, oh, I was poor. And now I'm not, God loves me. People flock to that because they need some kind of assurance, especially if they've been in poverty. So yeah, it's just interesting. It's, it's a lot of mental yeah. with it. Yeah. 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 And the Bible does say, bring your tithes into the storehouse that, you know, that my house, when I, I think it's in Malachi 3, right? Like that, you know, and if you bring the tithes in, I'll, you know, I'll pour you out a blessing. You won't have room to receive. Bring it in. Press down, shaking and running, you know, running over, you know, I open the windows of heaven, you know, all this stuff. And people use that Old Testament passage that really has nothing to do with like our giving in our churches as a way of like confusing people into thinking this is the key to blessing. Yeah. The more you give, the more God gives back. And it's not that transaction. I always think of it more like, um, like the manna kind of, I, I just, we recently had a, a situation in my house with my husband. We got those Facebook checks. Cause we were part of that Facebook lawsuit. So you got like a check in the mail and the check that we got in the mail that day, our air conditioner broke. And the check that we got in the mail was the exact amount 
of the, what our air conditioner bill was. And that to me is like, that is of God. Like, I don't like the idea that God just like rains down money, but that like very clear, like this was a manna from heaven that you needed. That was so specific. That feels of God to me more than this idea that like, if I give God would just bless me with all the money in the world, you know, like that doesn't, I don't know. That doesn't feel quite of God. So. Man. So we're having this conversation about uh, tithing and prosperity. I'm wondering once we come back from this break, if we can have a conversation about what prosperity should look like mm -hmm. and what is prosperity, what is real prosperity. Like so you listen to church on the block. We'll be right back. Yo, you're listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the street. Do not, you hear me? Do not touch that dial. Do not touch that knob. Don't unplug the Bluetooth. Stay right here with us. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Church on the Block. Real talk about the church, hip-hop, and the streets. It's your boy, Pastor Jay, with my boy, DJ Ruckus. And what's up, Ruckus? Yo, what's good, everybody? And for those who don't know, we're introducing our engineer, Colleen. Say hello to the people, Colleen. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're here talking about band questions. Today we've been talking about tithing and prosperity and what does prosperity look like and should tithing be a thing after the story that broke about Creflo Dollar actually kind of recanting all of his uh, thoughts about tithing and saying like, hey, you need to just kind of get rid of that information. I got a new idea. Um, but what's interesting is I, years ago, man, I had actually a chance to visit World Changers because I had some college friends who were getting married there. And my wife and I stayed for a church service on that Sunday. And it was such an interesting experience for me, someone not having gone to a prosperity church or a word of faith type of church. And uh, I actually left there with just so much on my mind. Years ago, I wrote this song called The Greatest Show on Earth. I mean, it just felt so different than anything I had experienced. I felt like a show, like a circus to me, just the way things were, how I experienced it. And I didn't write it like as a diss, just more as like a way of like expressing like how different this was and how people were experiencing it. And so I thought I'd just share that as an opportunity for us as we come back into the show. So I want y'all to listen up closely. This is Greatest Show on Earth with Pastor Jay and my old crew Outworld. Hurry, 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 step right up, get your tickets to the greatest show on earth, the Church of Jesus Christ, Three Ring Circus, your ringmasters for today, amen and armor. Hurry, hurry, step right up, free show don't cost a buck, you tell me. What you think is worth <laughs> the greatest show on earth. People rushing in quick, trying to get them a seat. Cause the power's in the front by the pastor's feet. To the seat where they have to sit all the time. If someone's in it, those are mine, partner, four and five. Waiting patiently for pastor to usher in the spirit. But the spirits in dwell, you should've came in there with it. And if you didn't, make a confession, man. Cause the spirit can't be picked up at the concession stand. When things calm down and everyone's in, that's usually when the first attraction begins. They enter from the back to make sure that they're seen walk down the middle aisle slowly finger up making a scene lots of bright clothing and a made-up face these are the clowns who came to entertain the place not concerned with worship or saving souls but they're concerned if a purse don't match your clothes hurry hurry step right up free show don't cost a buck you tell me what you think is worth ha, ha, the greatest show on earth get up get up 
for the greatest show on earth. It used to be the circuit, but now it's the church. The church used to be a place to focus on Jesus. Now to see what kind of food they're gonna feed us. It's crazy cause the church was a place to show love, but been transformed to a car show just playing dubs. Matter of fact, the church began to form club. No longer a surprise to see a church girl in a pub. Not ironic to see a church boy with drugs. Church is beginning to become a push and a shove. It's starting to be a pigeon instead of being a dove. Fake holy go dancer that to get hugged. And don't forget a cup of water. When the offering plate comes around, they give a quarter. But $200 gold to a gym you order. I love the church, y'all. Don't get it twisted. Jesus, the best thing I've inflicted. Hurry, hurry, step right up. Free show don't cost a buck. You tell me what you think it's worth. <laughs> The greatest show on earth. Now after the clowns are done clowning around, the next performers on down are not as easily found. The acrobats walk the tightrope without nets. On God's side, one thing and then the world's the next. It's a balancing act that I don't want to try. As a matter of fact, I won't want to know why. Because I'll be hypnotized by the contortionists who bend and manipulate the truth until it fits. The situation as the ring pastor makes you believe. Although you don't work or invest money coming with ease. Please don't take it the wrong way. Not trying to diss. I'm taking in the wrong way, just like this. Confused by loud music, gyrations and shakes. Forgot the movement, takes discipline, patience and faith. And that's what I came to this worship for. Not entertainment, but to be prepared for war. Nothing wrong with dancing, clapping, praising God. But sound teaching will rekindle the flame with God. If the church keeps resembling the big top circus, the urge is to simply have big time service. Some tents will still be full, both young and old. When Christ comes back to take his show on the road. Let the church say amen. Say amen again. Say amen one more time. I feel the anointing in this place. Listen, God has a blessing for somebody. God wants to do a thing in your life. And when God does that thing, that thing will be a thing. And when that thing is a thing, you know that God is doing something. God does everything because he's everywhere. I wish I had a witness in here somewhere. Now listen, God is telling me that somebody in here needs to give five thousand dollars and if you give five thousand dollars the lord's going to bless you yes this is a prosperity preaching church we believe it we receive it and if all we have to do is claim it and it's ours listen 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 the bible says in the book of malachi matthew that if you give god will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out benzes and houses and land listen i wish i had somebody in here all right, y'all, welcome back. Now that, hey. That, that was joy, awesome. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a classic right there, boy. That's a classic. Uh, uh, but yeah, as you hear on it, man, it just talks about like the whole atmosphere, people rushing in, trying to get to the front of the church to touch the pastor and be close to him. And like, you know, you know, this idea of what you wear and who you are and feeling like feeling important. First is just coming in to worship God. So um i think we've been talking about this this whole show about like prosperity gospel what it's done you know even what you know tithing and giving should look like i mean i think this is it'd be good what are you guys ideas just around um what hopeful giving models could be what what it could look like when we actually like really um, think of it less as a hindrance and more of like a kingdom value to give, um, you know, and, and what prosperity actually could become and look like and, and mean to people if we took it different. Anybody want to jump in and, and talk a little bit about it? 
you know, the idea of what is, what is giving, like what is hopeful giving, right. And then what, what is actual prosperity? You know, it's interesting in light of last week's conversation about, um, LGBTQI plus a I a plus community. Um, and I think about prosperity, like the, like true prosperity being like whole flourishing of selves, right? So that we are healthy and whole and able to bring our full selves to the world. Um, and it has very little to do with what we have and more to do with what, with, with the, the, the wholeness that we can stand in. And so when I think about like giving out of that, I, I would be giving to giving to serve, giving to help, giving of myself, giving of my time, giving of my energy, giving of my love and giving of my resources, um, giving out of my wholeness. And so I think for me, that looks, that looks like a lot of giving in a lot of different ways. And some of it is financial. Um, but it also is coming out of a place of like really standing in my own health and wholeness. Um, which is what we want for all people. Like I want all people to flourish. And so I want in my own flourishing, I want to give to others so that they may also flourish. And if the church is the best vehicle to do that, then I would give to the church. But if there's other avenues that are going to help the flourishing of us, of a person, I would give in those ways too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, that makes a lot of good sense. You know, I would say for me, prosperity is kind of similar to yours. Everything is flourishing. Everything's good. The community is growing. Um, when you, when you, if you ever been to Kenya, one of the questions they ask first is, "How are the children?" You know, and I think that's the question that I always, I have in the back of my mind is, "How are the children?" Because if the children are doing great, that means there's some prosperity there. Um, as far as when it, when it comes to tithing. A couple of some years ago, one of the things me and my wife used to do is we would split our ties up. Some would go to the church, some would go to the Firehouse Community Arts Center. Uh, and then at some point, we also switched again. Some of it, tithing went to uh, her sorority. She was mentoring young girls. And so she started tithing. She wanted to tie to the young girls. And that is how she funded the work that she did. She tied it to a Christian sorority so that she can have the funds to do what she wanted to do with the young ladies. And now that she's stepping out of that, the question back to us again is where, what are we doing to tithe and what, are, you know, how are we going to do it? And I think you, you tied where you feel led to tithe. I don't think you just have to, you know, has to be the church. I also think that you can, there are volunteer ways to tithe and giving your time, giving your heart and, to, to the church or to whatever organization you're gonna, you're gonna tie it to. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. Like in my mind, it's really about what you value, you know? And when you value something, you give of yourself to see it continue. Whether that's time, whether that's talent, whether that's your treasure, right? Like as the Bible calls it, like you give because you want to see this thing continue. And the reason why I think churches find themselves begging people to give 
is because people don't see it as a place that's moving the needle forward in people's lives. You know, I remember seeing a social media post one time, a young lady who's kind of antagonistic towards church. And basically she was saying, my mom um, went to church her entire life, gave a, a big percentage of her money to the church, her time to the church, like everything. And our lived reality never changed. We stay poor. We stay living in the same place. My mom was still sick. Like, and it was such an indictment to me as I read that. It's like, man, like, why would anybody, why would the next generation want the legacy of investing into something that has little to no return on their everyday life? And that's to me why I believe that the church actually is the best vehicle. Because if you think about how Christianity actually grew as a religion in its infancy, it didn't grow because you had these like brilliant theologians walking around talking about why it's the best religion. It was because it was a group of people who were like challenging all the social norms. You know, women were allowed to be a part of it and a thriving part of it, right? Like in places where there was struggle and, and people were really struggling with their health and with being able to take care of one another. The Christians was pulling all their money together and making sure everybody had what they needed. When people were homeless and they had nowhere to go, the Christians were living together and visiting and eating at each other's tables. And, you know, and like, it was like, man, even if you don't understand this Jesus thing, you like what you see from these Jesus people, you know? And so mm -hmm. I just feel like people will give, they will give when they, see tangible results when they see an investment being made into other people and to me that's where prosperity begins prosperity really begins when you know you give because you know that as a part of this when it's your turn you'll be given to you know and that's important you know um so i just you know prosperity for me is not about how much money i got or how many houses or how big my, you know my nice macari is or any of that you know, it's about the fact that everybody's needs are being met. You know, nothing's missing, nothing's broken. Everybody's got what they need. And when that becomes a real monitor of prosperity, then it's not about how much we can amass. It's about how much we support one another. Um, you know, one of my favorite passages of the scripture, Jeremiah 29, and the center of that, that, that whole little passage where it talks about Israel being sent into exile to Babylon and and having to build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat what they produce and marrying there and not decreasing, but their population increasing there. It's all hinged on verse seven. And seek the peace and prosperity of the place where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it prospers, you too will prosper. Mm -hmm. That's true prosperity, right? It is a prosperity that when my place, when everybody here, when I seek the prosperity of, of those around me, those marginalized, my neighbors, my family, my friends, then if I'm a part of this community that's prospering, I too prosper because I'm a part of this place. And that's what I think churches should be saying. Um, we want to have a church where everybody prospers, not just a few, not those who come and put a special envelope in the box, not those who go above and beyond and do more, but everybody's a part of it. And that prosperity, you too will prosper. Time to drop bars. One of my favorite um, realizations about that and um, is 
verse 11 is a verse of Jeremiah 29 that we use all the time. Um, and we put it on our graduation cards and our birthday cards and our wedding cards. And as I close out, I want to close out with some bars that typically Pastor Phil would do right here. But uh, I want to I close with these bars using verse 11 of chapter 29 of Jeremiah. You know, and really we look at it as like, you know, oh, this amazing, like God's going to do whatever, you know, he's going to do whatever we want him to do. But that's not what's, really what's happening in Jeremiah 29, 11. What's happening in Jeremiah 29, 11 is he's saying, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a future with a hope, right? A hope in the future. Why would God need to say that? Like, it's a given that God doesn't want to harm us, right? It's a given that God wants hope for us and a better future for us. Why would he need to reaffirm that in Israel during this time when they're in Babylon and in exile? Because he's asking them to seek the prosperity of everybody in a place that they wouldn't choose to be in. And so I'm going to say to each and every one of us, sometimes we find ourselves in hard places. We find ourselves in hard situations. We find ourselves not being in the place that we would choose to be in, whether that be geographically, spiritually, mentally, physically. God wants to reaffirm you. If you will seek the prosperity of everyone around you, I promise you that I won't harm you, that I got a plan for you, and that is for you to have a future and a hope. You don't have to be selfish and think about yourself. Seek the peace and prosperity of the place where God's put you. And if you seek the prosperity of that place, you'll find your prosperity there too. Y'all, we appreciate you listening today. This has been Church on the Block. Real talk about the church, hip-hop, and the streets on Sirius XM. See y'all next time. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Back here next week, same time, same channel, Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM, channel 154. Come with us. In these streets, if you see God and you rapping, it's...